Thank you for joining us for Friends and Followers, a podcast brought to you by the Seton Shrine, where stories of those who were inspired by Mother Seton's life and mission are shared. It is our hope that you might find inspiration as well, and a deeper understanding about who Elizabeth Ann Seton is. And you can subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes. We hope that you enjoyed them. Thank you. Good morning and welcome to Friends and Followers. This week we have a special episode where Bridget and I welcome two of our co-workers, Tony and Carolyn. This past Lent, as a team at the Seton Shrine, we did a book study on St. Francis de Sales' Devout Life. This was a book that was a favorite of Elizabeth's. It was given to her in Italy shortly after her husband's death. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Our fabulous book club. It was good. Are you ready? Yeah. We have to like sit close to the microphone or something. Well, you can move yours towards you. Oh, this caps like I feel like I'm on O'Brien. I don't know. But I mean, it didn't one reason why we're getting together is because you two have led this book in a book club discussion from week to week and as you were reading it did elizabeth ever come to mind or like related to your work or no or you just took it as the sales Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) i'm just opening it up like don't worry about being recorded it's supposed to be very natural and laid back yeah constantly because when we did the book club i thought you know some people were reading it because some people joined the book club because they they wanted to learn more about San Jose Van mm-hmm. They weren't looking for a devotional reading. Some people were looking for a devotional. In fact, when Carolyn and I first talking about it, I know you were like, I always wanted to read that. Yeah, the kind of ability to read like a spiritual book and just, which <laughs> in the end it was not accounted or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think some people like wanted to read it for like their own spiritual growth and others um, wanted to like learn about Mother Seton's spirituality since mm-hmm. it was so drawn from St. Francis's. Yeah. I mean, I definitely felt like that going into it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this will bring me closer to understanding who Elizabeth Ann Seton is, where her spirituality really, uh, that's almost transformed in her discernment to the Catholic faith. But then for me, I got way more out of it yeah. for myself. And then I've kind of, at the, towards the end, I started thinking a little bit like, wow, what I just went through, I'm wondering if those were the similar feelings and thoughts that Elizabeth went through for herself, you know, mm-hmm. as, because it's more than just a book of advices. It really helps you to expand your thought for your future and how you want to be as a person and your relationship with other people, whether it's a spouse or friends, friends or even God himself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you had already read it, right, Tony? Like before. I, had, I had read it, yeah, when I was younger. And what my, my wife was actually reading it with a friend. She does this kind of once a month um, phone call with a friend who moved away. And they, oh. were, they, were, they always read a book and they were doing it. And Carolyn had mentioned this a while ago, and I was like, let's do it. Like, we got to do it. We got to do it. And so um, that's what prompted. And I, I really wanted to read it again, too. Because I had read, I read this maybe in my early 
in my mid-20s. And then a couple years ago, I read Treatise on Divine Love, which is his other, the other, the, the big word is like masterwork, was this Treatise mm -hmm. on Divine Love. And it's, it, that is much more theological and dense. Mm -hmm. And I would say less practical in a way, but um, really gets into the, what's behind all of this, all, all of what's in this book, mm -hmm. you know. And even like practically this book, like it's broken down into like simple short chapters that are like bite-sized, like easy to read. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of spiritual texts out there, they're heavy and dense and you can't necessarily apply them to your everyday life. Yeah, and he actually talks about that in Treatise and Divine Love mm -hmm. on the in introduction. He, talk, he says something to the effect, and he's so charming the way he talks, he's like, um, this book, this, this, so this book, Introduction to the Dry Life, is, is addressed to Philothea, lover of God, mm -hmm. and a feminine form of love, lover of God, and that's kind of her, his, uh, his, you know, whatever, personification of the reader, yeah. And in the, ne the next book, he says how, two things, he says, one, um, I know a lot of men thought that they shouldn't read this book, it's Introduction to the Devout Life, so uh, this book, uh, the Treatise on Divine Love will be addressed to Theotimus, which is God fear, I think. And I think yeah. that's what it is. Um, in a male form. So he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, see, it's just, it's just a tool. So just get over it. Men can read it too. And I was like, good. <laughs> but my wife's the one who said, you should read this. So. And you're the only um, man in the. Like I was the only man in our book club. That's true. Oh, yeah, I was Um well, the background of this book is that he wrote it for a relative, right? A cousin or something who wanted to live a devout life, but not be a sister or a nun, right? right. It was a lay person. I don't know right. if it was a relative or not, but it was somebody It was somebody who was like a spiritual directee of his that he wanted to write something for. I think it started out as letters, maybe, and he compiled them. Okay. Well, it's perfect for Elizabeth, like where she was when the Felikis gave it to her. Because that's, I guess, what her thought was going to be, that she was going to try to live this devout life. She wasn't thinking about becoming a sister at the time. So it's like a perfect guidebook. I mean, when you're going through it, you see Elizabeth, like, all over it. And yeah. it makes you understand her a little bit more, too, why she made decisions she made. I think especially the, the chapter on Widow that we, you know, we have the original copy that she owned that we displayed in the museum. Mm -hmm. And... That chapter on widows, where basically I think, I mean, I think it really changed the trajectory of her life because in, it would have been normal for her to come back to New York, uh, normal at that time, and look for a, a spouse, mm -hmm. you know, look for somebody to support her, and that would be a, would have been a relatively, I think, probably easy thing. I actually say that, <laughs> but I mean, a, a doable thing. Mm -hmm. uh, were she not Catholic, right? You know. Um, that may have, would have made that harder, but I think, you know, I think as soon as reading this advice on widows where he really counsels hard, it's one of the few times he says, do this practically. He's usually very flexible. He's, he yeah. says, um, but he says, don't get married again. In so many words, he says, devote yourself to God. And he, it, I can imagine her reading that. I think she specifically mentions the mm -hmm. on widows. Right. Yeah. So do, are you saying that that part really did influence her? I think at the um, time, to not I think get she was and not to look for a spouse again. Um, Did yeah. you write about it? Well, I mean, she says that when she's reading it, she should be on her knees reading it. Like it just meant so much to her 
And I think she did take it seriously. And I think she really loved her husband. So, um, and she wanted to devote her life to God. I mean, you, you see her moving towards that, even with being married. Mm-hmm. She wanted God, God was becoming her focus. So I think she wanted to, to do that. And it's the chapter that she mentions the most at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then you can see through her writings, she brings up other things, friendship and presence of God and communion and all of that. But it's really that first chapter of widows, which she was a new widow. So that makes sense. But yeah, I think she took it as really strong advice. Do you think she would have like found counsel or like someone to talk through it with too? I'm just thinking like there's spiritual texts like um, Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis where they're like, don't read this book like on your own. Like make sure you talk about it with like a seminarian or someone to like help guide you and understand it. So I feel like this one too. Yeah, I don't think she would have talked to her friends about it. She doesn't write about that. Like I mean, priest like in New York or maybe. I mean, um, where was the priest in New York that she was he not? Well, it's Father Brian. She um, writes, and how do you say her name? Filippo. Yeah, Amelia. she writes her about it. She talks to her about it quite a bit. So at the beginning. So, yeah. I it just she, seems intense to, like, read, like, don't become, don't marry again, and then to take that, like, okay, like, without, <laughs> like, consulting a priest yeah, or something. Yeah, well, we can only speculate, you know, about, right. like, how she read that, how she took it. But it's sure, it sure seems like when you look at her writings and her actions, she never pursued marriage, remarriage, right? Right. I mean, I'm just kind of wondering if, the Velikis themselves kind of had that ulterior motive to giving her this book to read. Were they hoping for her to really have some sort of impact on the Catholic Church, setting things in motion without really realizing that? If they would have focused so much on the widow's chapter, then they would have on taking communion and the presence of God and meditation, that probably was more what they wanted her to get out of it, I just, think. Yeah, just being a member of the church. Right. Just, okay. I think. I mean, I, I think it probably had a similar effect on her, like you described, Bridget, you know. I think it opens up the depth of, um, of, of, of what the church has to offer and spiritually to us. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't hit you over the head with it. You know, like sometimes if you were to dive in and read like a sense of Mount Carmel by Saint John of the Cross, you'd be like, Whoa, you know, what's going on? You know, as a first thing, you know, but like it really is a great introduction to say this, you know, if you're already in a position where you you wanna live rightly, you wanna love God, you know, you wanna you wanna advance spiritually, and you kinda just like, What do I do? This is like the book. I think it's the book yeah. for ages, and it will be for another thousand years, yeah. unless I want. You know, like, for, but um, and I think it was that for Elizabeth. I, she had been primed, like she had that sort of that desire to love and serve God and be with God. Like Reverend Hobart got that instilled in her when she was in New York. Still, as mm-hmm. like she loved God. She was praying. She was trying to be virtuous. Mm-hmm. And I think when she got this book, I think it. I think it did a couple things. I think it gave her a sort of practical, just like it does for us, like, oh, yes. I, I, now I know how to put this sort of desires into practical uh, application to my life, you know. But it also said the Catholic Church 
has tons of stuff like this. Like people have been thinking about this stuff for about 2,000 years on her time, you know, whatever, 1,800 years. <laughs> so like there's tons of resources out there. Yeah. You're not the only one who's wrestled with this stuff, you know. And I think that in Mother Seton instilled a, a level of like, whoa, there's there's more here. Right. I, I, I'd say, I think. I don't think she mentions anything like that, but I have to imagine something in her situation, you know. Yeah. Well, you said that she comments in some of her writings back to the sales mm -hmm. like is it throughout the time or was it just a very no it's through it's throughout it's yeah. throughout the time i mean i think there was more at the beginning but there's also examples i think of how she lived her life like i really like when he talks about friendship and the different kinds of friendship and and he, you know when he says that you can love but if that's not returned then it's not friendship and i can see her with that with like the people she left behind in new york like she still loved them and her siblings and stuff, but she no longer counted them as her friends. Right. You know, she was very um, good about figuring out who she could trust, who she was on equal footing with and who was a friend. And they, there's so many people in, that wrote about her that thought that they were her best friend because of the way she treated them or talked to them and so i think she took all of that to heart too about how to treat people how to be charitable and honest and um what does he say something about when you weather a storm together i mean first off he's great using analogies right oh, yeah. <laughs> so something about like when you you know you break a bone and when it heals it can become stronger so he's like when you when you have a break in a friendship because of a disagreement, if you mend it, it can become stronger. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why she tried to mend all of those relationships with her siblings and in-laws. And mm -hmm. I think, yeah, she used it as a guidebook for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm just curious about that because like you get your eyes wide open as you read in that book, but then it's like maintaining that and like keep going back to the book. Keep seeking for that guidance as you were calling it out. So I was curious if she maintained that through her devout life. Well, I think that's one of the great things about her, probably what makes her a saint. It's like we talked about that with, with St. Therese. It's like she read her, her words and just didn't read them. She put it into practice. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what she did with him too. It's like you can see her putting his words into practice. It wasn't just something she read and thought, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. And then just forgot about yeah, I think also it would make sense also that she doesn't have as many references to it later in her life because once she became religious, she had you know her, um, her religious observance to kind of structure her life and look to. She was looking into St. Vincent, um, it was St. Vincent's rule that she was living by, you know. And I know she was reading the reading some conferences of St. Vincent and St the life of St. Louis and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think she, since this is written for laity, I think it's meant to be a sort of a manual for laity, mm -hmm. but a religious, I think would normally have <clears throat> sort of their own manual or different, different kinds of manuals uh, or um, figures that they have saying. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, I think it makes sense that then, then when she's giving advice, I found this fascinating to understand about how she included it in the advice she gave to her daughter, Catherine. Right. And have several excerpts from her. 
Right. Right. So, yeah, because she wrote Catherine this book she called The Little Red Book mm -hmm. of all this advice. And it's always been like we've always been curious because she loved to dance. But yet she cautions Catherine not to dance or not to go to dances and balls mm -hmm. because of where your thoughts can go. You know, and that's straight out of devout life. Yeah. <laughs> huh. I didn't realize that. Because yeah. I remember when I first started reading little bits and pieces from the little red book, I was like, man, she's harsh as a mother. <laughs> like, it was okay for her, but it's not okay for kids. Like, oh my God. Like, I thought, but now that you're mentioning that and thinking back through how Desailed, I mean, Desailed was pretty harsh sometimes like as much as he loved the, the analogy he was a little like straightforward and direct you're like oh my god but i now that you're saying that it, like makes sense like okay she's encouraging even her daughter to lead a devout life even though she wanted her to have more than emmitsburg you remember like sending right. Catherine out into the world she didn't want her to stay here in emmitsburg and i don't think she really wanted her to be a sister but it makes sense because She'd always always express concerns for her children's spiritual well being. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I think she used it as a guidebook. But I also do see when she became a religious, she she did pull things like the rules for meditation and things like that. She'd copy that for the sisters. So, um, oh, out of here she did. Well, it, it's attributed wow, to St. Francis okay. of Sales, so I'm assuming that cool. whatever her copy was. So um, so I think she pulled what she thought was really important. I think she was always trying to be better, you know, and I think that's a better friend, a better mother, and all of those things. But then she, she always worried, too, which we've talked about so much, like, am I doing the right thing? So I think for Catherine, the little red book, like the advice, she did worry about Hmm, was it right to like go to so many dances and you know thinking whatever you thought or whatever so i think it was a good book for the felikis to give her as a starting book and it's made me think like this would be a good book for someone coming into the church like just to have a good overview because mm -hmm. i like what you said carolyn because like you're about to get married so i had never heard before about it is cool um i think it was in someone's speech at Back from the Dead, Blessed Frederick Ozanam, I think, who was inspired by Saint Vincent de Paul. And he had like this line, the actor that's like, saints inspire saints. And I feel like it could be like, saints inspire saints, inspire saints, inspire saints. Like, <laughs> yeah. You can just keep like drawing it back. Like right. someone today could read Mother Satan's work and be like, end up becoming a saint because they're inspired by Mother Satan, who was inspired by St. Francis of Sales, who was inspired by who knows who, or I'm sure we could find out, but yeah, just the work that the saints have on their fellow saints. Yeah, I wanna read, I don't know if we'll do it yet, but, um, or when we would do it, but there's another book that called uh, Spiritual Combat, mm -hmm. that is, um, that that was St. Francis of Sales' favorite book. Spiritual Combat was yeah. his favorite? Who was that mm -hmm. by? It's probably dumb scoping. Uh, it's not. It's not like a, <laughs> no, it sounds like a spiritual video game or something. But like it's um, it's um, it's it's very practical. And I think they read that. I I read I read somewhere, maybe it was in the Melville that they read that excerpts from that at tea in the afternoon. Spiritual content, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Dang. So it's kind of. I, I'll have to check that out or whatever. But. Um, but I know they read it. I know it was a, it 
So, the, so there are probably other the sales writings that Elizabeth read, not just this book. Yeah, what I would love someday, this is a dream of mine, someday to have somebody go through the volume three of the collective writings where she is putting together meditations either for her sisters or I'm not sure some of it may have been things that were copied. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that are, ex are unsighted excerpts from things. And if there was somebody who knew all of these spiritual sources, this book, but like all these spiritual things she was drawing on, to go through and find citations, be like, oh, this is St. Alphonsus. And oh, this is, you know. Yeah. It sounds to me, Alphonsus. Lisa, that you just got challenged. It would be good to know because that part of the collective writing, she does draw from a lot. Yeah. And I think things that were important to her, she draws from a lot of scripture, but also these saints that were important to her. Yeah, because we have come across where we thought it was Elizabeth saying it, and it turns out, no, 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 she took a, the words from a different saint. Mm -hmm. But I guess it's going back to, again, like her true genuine intent to put it to practice, not just to read it. To retain it and put it into practice right herself her community yeah i feel like she was always like i guess maybe doing what he was doing like preparing people for when she wasn't here like when i'm not here make sure that you're following these rules or these steps or whatever so just like we've talked about she was preparing people in life to get to heaven mm -hmm. she wanted that to continue after she died mm -hmm. i think and you're saying she did that in her writings? Yeah, like I think that's why she wanted to translate the works of some of the saints, and she would write these rules for meditation and these rules for prayer life and all of these things. And um, she would um, write people or read their names, like every year, every student that had done had taken First Holy Communion, she would pray for them and read their names again, like every year to make sure that she was that they were still on track that she was praying for them mm -hmm. so i think she wanted that to continue that's beautiful yeah yeah i think it was important to her to continue those things and to to constantly be teaching it's kind of like living outside of yourself or something like i'm not always going to be here but like leaving behind like a legacy or like something to and like and trust these people to God like long after we're gone or something. Yeah. Well, isn't that what the sales kind of do? Doesn't he put that tone too? Like, again, this is beyond me. This is how you can carry yourself and to help others carry themselves. Yeah, I think so. I think I think he's, I mean, the main, he's like any saint, you know, it's like you're doing your work and then, you know, I think the Lord will multiply your efforts one way or another. Um, yeah, that's one thing I love about Mother Seton. You, you see it with St. Francis of Sales, too, but, like, um, she wasn't, like, she wasn't super ambitious. Like, I want to go start a start a big community and and, uh, and start a big institution. She didn't, like, and, and, but first I got to become Catholic. You know, it's like she, she didn't set out to do it. It kind of, it kind of came together step by step in mm -hmm. the will of God every day. 
and then there's this marvelous fruit from it. And I think St. Francis de Sales was similar in the sense of like this, he didn't set out to write this book. He set out, he was just helping his, mm. one of his spiritual directees. And then I forget what it says in the introduction about how he, he ended up putting it together. And then, and it has this amazing fruit. I mean, I don't know how many, there are, there are whole congregations, the, the, the Salesians and the, you know, that, that are inspired by him, like take him as a patron. You know, um, and uh, you know, and I, I think there's been amazing fruit just in, in, in our lives, even you know, mm -hmm. just from reading the book. But I'm sure since its publication, whatever it was, it came you know. Well, I think I mean that's a good point because I think people were drawn to him. I think even us reading it, we would have conversations outside of the book club about it. I think people were drawn to it because our innate desire is to be closer to God and he's telling you how to do it. And I think Mother Seton did the same thing. So I don't think she set out to do it. Like you said, I don't think she set out to be like this great speaker, let's say, uh, but because she had this desire to get people closer to God, to get them to heaven, they were drawn to her because they wanted, they wanted that too. They wanted what she had, right. like that peace, that presence that she had. And, and I don't think people will say, like with her children and stuff, that she was anxious to make sure they got to heaven. I don't think it was so much anxiousness, just I need to make sure I've done my job mm -hmm. of making sure you have as much information and as uh, so you can experience that. Like yeah. She genuinely wanted people to be in love with God, I think. Yeah, you, you mentioned the, some of the conversations we had on staff. Um, I'm curious, just from your, your guys' experience, I mean, we haven't talked about this, but like, I know there are some parts that people had a hard time with. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you, like, and I, I don't, I didn't have a, as many conversations as you all with, with some of them. Do you remember? I think what, the widows was hard. I think for some people, like, it, it is that sense of like, okay, so if you become a widow when you're young, she was relatively young, um, you're not supposed to marry again. Like that seemed harsh. That seemed harsh to people. But I think when you really look into his words. He did say that you could marry again. Mm -hmm. He just didn't want people going out to quickly try to marry again in an inappropriate way or change who you were um, just to make that marriage happen. And and he did. He was basically saying you need to be right with God. That's more important than getting married again and trust God. So so we did. We had long conversations about that. I had conversations. Obviously, these were the things that most affected me, like with the friendship thing, because I think today that word is used very loosely. Mm. And I think with um, with St. Francis, it was not like <laughs> it was very clear mm. on what is a friend. And I like how he said you can love someone, but unless it's reciprocated, unless you have the same mission and the same desires, you know, it's not going to be a friendship. And I thought that was, and it's hard. Like that's hard when you think about people in your life that, oh, they'll, I guess they're not really a friend. <laughs> and it's hard to have that, but it's also in the end gonna make you better, I think. Yeah, I think that's why I asked like at the beginning if you thought Mother Satan had counsel, but maybe counsel's not the right word. It's like how we had a book club to talk about this book. It's just kind of like you can misinterpret things or there's like a danger in like isolating a sentence or something or, um, it, that like a one line can stick with someone and that could be their main takeaway and unless like you discuss it with friends or coworkers or just people in your lives or something like 
Well, one, there, there can be like a lot of fruit that comes out with the discussion. Um, I think that's I why she was, well, she was, she was so looking forward to going home after mm -hmm. Italy and after reading this and talking to Rebecca, mm -hmm. her best friend, Willie, mm -hmm. Willie's sister. Um, and then she tragically dies, what, three months later? Yeah. And so she just, she couldn't, she was sort of preparing her to, to die. Didn't, didn't, she, she shared a lot with her, but um, I was talking to Sister Judy Metz, who, who said, you know, that's partly why she got so close to Antonio Felici, because Rebecca let, Rebecca's death left this void. And I think that was the, that was the one she was talking to and processing with mm. and sharing, you know. Right. And then really all she had was Antonio. Yeah. Like, no, nobody else. Um, and so she really kind of latched on to him. Um, and he, it, at points, like, equated his connection with him with connection with God. It was so strong, you know. And that over time, like, God actually severed that because he didn't write to her for a while because of the embargo. Like, whatever. seven, eight like years. Seven years, uh, like, just broken. Yeah. And, um, so God, God knows what he's doing, you know, with all that, you know. But, um, but you know, I, I think I think you're right. I mean, she she hungered for that spiritual companionship. Because I think after Antonio, around that time, she, she got a spiritual director. She was... Yeah, and I think she understood, like, how, being able to have people that you could talk to. Like, with this book, I mean, I did talk to one of my friends, but besides that, it was here. Because other people didn't wouldn't have understood what I was talking about. You know, they didn't have that shareness. So I think that's why I think it was important for Mother Seton. Whenever they were doing anything, even laundry, they were reading and discussing and, you know, constantly having these great conversations in a good, good friendship way, like an equal way, I think. Really good at being able to keep people like in a good way. Like there wasn't gossip or meanness or anything like that. Like they were always focused on learning about God and moving forward and learning more about their faith. And she was so good at like using every opportunity to be able to do that. But you're right, I never thought about that, Tony. Like, probably between 1804 and 1805, she was probably hungry for someone fun. to talk to about. Yeah, there really was a spiritual desert for her. She just, just like, didn't have a home at that point, you know. She right. Felt drawn to Catholicism, but didn't feel at home and didn't, didn't feel at home in the Episcopal Church anymore. But she hadn't landed yet, you know. Right. And it probably made when she came into the church, which is the part you really like, Bridget, like so much sweeter, like to really come in and take communion and feel like I belong. I belong and I now have better understanding of what to do next and what God might want from me. Because mm -hmm. I think it goes back to like, she didn't have like this grand plan of like, oh, I'm going to go out there and change the world, you know, <laughs> like right. she just, she really was striving for grace. And I think that's what DeSales tried to impart throughout the book is finding that grace in whatever shape and form that may be. And that will lead you to like your own personal vocation, like whatever mm -hmm. that looks like. Yeah. But like that whole book is filled with like, the phrase that comes to mind is just take the next right step. Like he's kind of like, here's some 
ways that you can grow in holiness, just keep taking those small steps and then you're going to live out the vocation that you're supposed to, whether that's opening up a school or whatever. Yeah, which is what makes her so wonderful. I mean, we say that all the time. Like she wasn't, because people be like, what's so wonderful about Mother Seton? Because she wasn't, I always say, Joan of Arc. She didn't do this, have this great Miraculous act. But oh God. what yeah. she did do was help people to keep moving forward closer to God while she was figuring it out too. Mm -hmm. um, she did, she had this magnetic personality too. And I, I would have loved to have known her because she felt she just, people just kind of, Clom onto her, you yeah. know. That's that's it's interesting, you know. Um, so she she did, I think, by her adopting, you know, the devout life, you know, it just it certainly brought her sisters in law, Harriet and, and Cecilia, along along with her, and then all these. I was just talking to um, uh, Kelly Buckeye, who, who plays Sister Elizabeth, portrays Sister Elizabeth Foyle in her little history burn, and. Um, She's telling me about how young she was. I didn't know she was like 18 when she joined. Mm -hmm. And she was, um, and you know, she just, she had met Mother Seaton in, in Baltimore and just wanted to be out here, you know? Right. Um, all of her. Yeah, like all these women just like kind of, she is kind of yes. this, mag this magnet. And I, I think that shows the power. And she was short too. <laughs> 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 it's not like she was like this, like very graceful, tall, Whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think it shows it shows the power of the love of God. You know, with the way he defines devotion is and I'm I'm gonna butcher <laughs> but this is basically the habitual love of God put into practice. Like that's what devotion is. You just love you, you love God and that turns into what you do on a regular basis and you form your life around mm -hmm. that. You know, and that like that is so powerful. You know, and I think when somebody drives through the world doing that mm -hmm. in a in a serious way, it just it 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 creates all this current that draws other people with them. You know, they're like, I want what he has or right. I want what she has, you know, or, or they don't even know what it is. They don't even have that thought. They're just like, this person makes me feel right to be with this person. And when I talk to this person, you know, like, um, and we probably all have people in our lives like that, you know, but, but then you read a book and you're like, yes, this guy gets me. Yeah. You know, I don't right. know how many times I wrote in the, you know, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> oh, this is me. This is me. And my wife said the same thing, you know, like, yeah. like this whole anxiety section is all about me. I'm like, yeah, the whole anger section is all about me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's well, it's just like I said at the beginning though, you know, as I was finishing through the book, like at first it was to know who Elizabeth Anstein is better, understand how she processed things and, worked her way through her life then it turned into no this is more for me and i, I was surprised by that you know um like wow you know sales really got something here he where he guard. speaks to right me off guard but he speaks to you like wherever you are in life the book actually speaks to you and meets you in that need even though we all can have a different take on that one sentence mm -hmm. um but then towards the end i felt like in a way it does bridge me a little closer to Elizabeth because then I'm wondering, oh wow, you know, I can share my own friendship with Elizabeth, like my own thoughts and stuff, and she might be understanding and supportive that way. Just wrapping up to what you just said, just like, um, it's like a current that we're just all kind of somehow 
drawn to her. Past yeah. and present. Yeah. And I think he was very much like you were saying a little bit where he was, this is the way it is. It's not, well, you can do this or you can do that. No, this is what you need to do. You know, when he's writing to this person, this is what you have to do. And I think Elizabeth became that way. I think she didn't waver, which I think people appreciated. Like if you want to get to heaven, if you want to have this relationship with God, then, then you need to do this. It wasn't like, well, you know, see how it goes or try it was, you know, you will say the rosary every day. You will do this every day. You will just, you know, every day they had things that she wanted them to do for the purpose of bringing them closer to God, I think. Um, and so I appreciated that about him. It's hard sometimes like to read some of the things he said, but it was truth. And I think that's what people appreciate about Elizabeth. She spoke the truth. Yeah. yeah I think what, what, what's, I think what's accessible makes it so accessible is that he is his his familiarity and the way he talks about just the common life, you know, mm -hmm. um, relationships and stuff. And that's why when we did the book study, um, and I would recommend this for anybody who's learning, like reading it, I would start like we did. That you start, um, I think we started on what section or chapter, chapter, book two, part the second. No, we started on part third. <laughs> I mean, never we come to that, but but it makes sense to why we did. Yeah. Yeah, because what it what it does is it gets you if you start with uh, rules for the practice of virtue, um, it gets you right into like this guy gets me, and when you're through that and you're like, okay, then then I think there's a natural hunger that develops in. Okay, what what's this built on? And then you go and you read parts one and two, and because part one and two is more like a retreat almost. You know, there's like meditations and, and which are all ideal um, uh, to do, especially if you're in a mode in like retreat mode or it's like Lent or something like that. But I was worried that if we started with that, it was it was going to be very heavy. At but when you start to start with part three, you're talking about all the analogies with the bees and the, you know <laughs> all this all this great stuff that he, uh, he he kind of he's endearing he's he's just right. endearing and you want to keep reading right know? right um, even like I'm not a widow but I want to read the section on widows because I, I want to see what he has to say about that yeah. you know? um, and there's valuable stuff in the whole thing so yeah going back and then we we save right part five we save part five to be like a a, a retreat you do later, you know. We do actually did read it, skim through it on the book study, and I think I think that I thought that worked pretty well. Now this is me, the leader. I don't know what you guys. What did you guys think about it? Doing it in that order? Yeah, I really liked it. I, I, I liked it, was it. better I that way. I agree with you. Like it, it was good to really like start right away hitting some of those points that are so relatable, mm -hmm. you know, and and ponder them and like think about the things that he says because as we said he does use a lot of analogies but they're things that people can relate to 400 years ago and today you know they're they're the same um like people's virtues don't change and <laughs> you know things don't change so but he, um, he allows you by doing your reading schedule i felt like it kind of allowed us to settle into it because like when we got to the meditation part it's like i'm like 
oh my god like I was overwhelmed in the sense of like how do I remember all this like I, I kept like going back and trying to retain it because it's just a lot but I remember even that like book club session Tony you're out so I had to leave it and I think it was just like we talked about our last hour and we talked about regrets in life and we talked about going to hell and we talked about yeah that one was well, that remember good, though. when we were scheduling it, I was like, let's do this in 16 weeks. You know, and we're just like, no. <laughs> 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 I was like, a long time. So we were, it, we were it was long. Like, it, it does, like, the longer you go, I think it's just how intense the book is. Um, you want to get through it, mm -hmm. but you have to make sure that you stay in check with it and that you don't get too exhausted by it for yeah. being so drawn out you know? because it's a lot I'm, I'm glad we did it in eight weeks yeah i mean i, I think i think we did it in nine weeks nine yeah yeah we nine. added a week which was a good call right but... and that i thought i thought it was good i mean i think we i found in rereading it that you only ended up having like 20 or 30 pages to read each time mm -hmm. And they're so short, you could read a little bit every day. Mm -hmm. Or even there's some days when I yeah, procrastinate or got this and I just plowed through it. But 30 pages is like, yeah. you know, not, nothing. Well, for me, though, it's sort of, it captivates you to wait, be like, wait a minute. Let me go back and read back a little bit more so you can put it all into perspective. I, I'm wondering if Elizabeth did that herself. Like, she, oh, I'm sure she I think did. she probably jumped <laughs> right into Widowhood because we know even with Louis. The Mary Life writing, she was picking apart which section she was going to do. It wasn't like right. cover to cover. And uh, oh, I think, I'm sure she did. Well, and I think and you, you, you did it. You read it differently than obviously because you were you used the audio books, right? I did, but I used both the book and the audio because the audio didn't quite match up to the book that we were using. So I wanted to make sure I had all of it. But okay. I did find myself like. Wait, let me rewind that part. And yeah, then opening yeah. up the book and like seeing the black and white text. Um, and it's written too, like you can easily go back and revisit certain sections. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like jumping into a novel and trying to find something that spoke to you. Like you could easily revisit whatever. I mean, there was definitely like a couple of chapters where I was like, I'm skipping this one. It's not <laughs> applying to me right now. <laughs> so, yeah. but. Whereas Tony's like, I want to know what widows. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, it was sort of to better understand really what captivated Elizabeth into that book. Yeah. Right. Most the whole it, book is captivating. Most of it went right on. I mean, this time for me reading it, I was like, man, I have to shut my mouth. Like the, the, the part about detraction and conversation, I was like, I'm like, man, I. <laughs> I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> then you call me in for podcast myself. <laughs> I think it's it's just such a good book that but you have to read it several times, I yeah. think. Yeah. I think it's well, a, in order to put it to practice. Right. Yeah. And focus on certain things that yeah. you're working on for yourself. For yourself. Yeah. Yeah. To have that growth. Yeah. I think it's healthy that way. I mean, in any book I think reading it in the in the when I read it the first time, and I'm, I'm guessing for the people, for you all who read it the first time in this book study, it's almost like the study is like an introduction to the introduction to about life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. you're going to read it, you're going to familiarize yourself with it. It's not going to be, you're going to know, oh, there's something in there that I 
that he said that was really good. And then you go back to me like, yes, yes. Oh, I wish I would remember that for the past five years, you know, or whatever. <laughs> you know, like I've done that, you know, and my wife has done that. And I'm sure a lot of people read this book. Yeah, most of you probably do that. You know? Oh, yeah. oh I guarantee you she had to, because even for me, I was kind of screaming like, where was this book when I was like 15 and 16, 17, like right in the pillow year. And just thinking about even Elizabeth's experience when she was coming around to like, well, who is my father? You know, and she's like, God is my father. She had that epiphany mm-hmm. of like not to be so lost in her grief of not having her father with her, you know, That's in New York. So would you so, recommend it for teenagers? I would, yeah. Like I, I, would. Teenagers, I, I, I would. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, you know, I feel like, yes, Elizabeth was 21, 29. I'm 39. But we both had kids that were still raising, we're still navigating people to have a good life, especially the responsibility of our own children. That is just, and then wanting what it is for herself. Now, I'm married and she's obviously a widow, but still, there's a lot in that where I'm just kind of wondering, like, when she was like, where was this book 10 years ago for me? And I think for young people, having someone that's leading a book like we did and having those discussions, like, what do you think is really great. I mean, we kind of stumbled on that at the beginning of the year when we did for the girls that are 13 and up, where we did the letters of Mother Seton. It was very enlightening conversation Mm -hmm. with them i mean just the things they're thinking about like we started out with well would you keep a journal like mother seaton had these great journals that she kept and they were all like no and it was because they didn't they don't they're afraid someone's gonna find their words and it was just really interesting to talk about that and Mm -hmm. then to kind of go through um their time in the lazaretto and her letters about that and how that felt so i could see them really having some good conversations with that. Yeah. 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 Well, Tony, do you feel that the book club was successful? Did it reach what you hoped for or more? I mean, from what I can tell, like, as, I don't know if people are as honest with me, you know, because I'm like, you know, Oh, no, the boss. <laughs> like, and, and, and I was leading the book study, so I was like, I was like, it's a great success. Wow. <laughs> the leader was, was so catch that. No, but I mean, I, I it's see people see you engage, and I was delighted to see people talking about it, like sort of off, yeah, mic or off whatever, you know, like like uh, sidebar conversations side, about it yeah. in the, you know, and to be in a workplace where we can read this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, like what a what a gift, you know. It's like it's such a it's such a blessing. So, I mean, I hope the Lord is doing, um, you know, or I guess I should say, I hope everybody continues to let the Lord work on through it in the way that He works. He worked on me through it, and, and still it was, you know. Like, so I guess I mean, if that's success, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, I think it it helped everybody understand Elizabeth a little bit better, like the conversations I had with the docents and stuff. But I think the the bonus was that it all kind of helped us have a, it was, honestly, I'll say this for the two of you, it was probably the best Lent that I've had in years. And I think it was doing that through Lent because I started really thinking about a lot of things, you know, friendship and relationships and communion and like all of these things. So it was great for me. I mean, personally. So I think that was the same for you too, Bridget. So I think for a lot of the staff, it was a gift. It really was. 
Well, can you leave, leave us with maybe something impactful that Elizabeth wrote in yeah, regard to the show? Did she have anything? She said that she <laughs> mentioned it, but I didn't know if there's like Yeah, she mentioned it a lot. I mean, she really loved, um, well, I mean, she talks a lot about conversations with God and and she quotes him on friendship and stuff. So, but I was not prepared for that, Bridget. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be something that, you know, whether it shows how much Elizabeth meant, how much the sales meant to Elizabeth. Or, Tony, you have well, your book I open. Okay, great. We, we read great. this at the end of the book. The book okay, book, that sounds uh, great. Um, the, um, the very last paragraph, I mean, you guys, I, I don't want to talk about it unless it's on the podcast and stuff, but how important the phrase look up was to Mother's mm-hmm. Scene. Yeah. Right? yeah. Anyways, keep that in mind. Um, the last paragraph? Just, just that last, yeah, that one there. Okay. Finally, Philothea, I beseech you in the name of all that is sacred in heaven and earth, by the baptism which you received, by the tender heart with which Jesus loves you, and by those vows of compassion which are your hope, abide and persevere in this blessed undertaking of a devout life. Our days glide by, death is at our door. The trumpet sounds, says St. Gregory Nazianzen. Let everyone make ready for judgment is at hand. When the mother of St. Symphorian saw him led to his martyrdom, she exclaimed, My son, my son, remember life eternal. Look up to heaven and remember who reigns there. Your approaching end will end soon. And quickly close your brief career here below. So would I say to you, Philothea, look up to heaven and do not forsake it for earth. Look down into hell and for the sake of the present moment, do not plunge therein. Look to Jesus Christ and do not deny him for the world. And if the trials of a devout life seem hard to you, say with St. Francis, how sweet these momentary trials and sorrows, for they lead to heaven's never-ending joys. St. Francis says, yeah. great for us. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that was Elizabeth for sure. Yeah. I, I think I, I hear her in that, the whole constant thinking of, always of eternity. Right, thinking always of your goal, your end goal, living the about life even when it's hard, and look up. Well, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. This is great. Thank you.